Amen. Thanks for that. And keep keep praying for one another <clears throat> that we have opportunities. Um, you know, during the week, you never know what's around the corner. God might be using you in whatever situation, wherever you are, whatever class, whatever workplace or high street you're in, uh, just in that moment, in that time, uh, to share the good news of Jesus. Be be ready uh, to give a word in season. Um, tonight, uh, I wanted to share just a, a bit about doubt and trust kind of ties in very much with an Evie said that she wanted to, to share. Um, we went away um, recently to see Barry and Claire Griffiths and uh, in their church there was a guy, uh, Pastor Jamie, who, who was doing this series, he's been doing a number of series on uh, doubt and trust and looking at anxiety, uh, looking at fear, that kind of stuff and what's the biblical response to it? And uh, it was, I thought it was really good. Um, I asked him if I would be able to use his sermon. Uh, and he said, of course, it's kingdom. Um, so I've got some thoughts, but I've also got some stuff which is his as well. Um, and one of the things is you've got some sheets on your um, table there, which if you have got a pen, it was something that's quite clever. I quite liked it actually, because it helps those that maybe struggle with hearing someone preach for half an hour. Um, that if you do have a pen, if you haven't got a pen, then go and raid the office. I'm sure Sarah would be really happy. If not, share it about. You don't have to fill it in. Um, but I found this really helpful. And what I'm going to do tonight is kind of use a PowerPoint where we can fill in the blanks. All right? So, you know, they're there for you to kind of fill in some of the blanks. And... Um, it was, it was a really helpful um, morning. It was good to spend time with uh, Barry and Claire. Um, but we all have doubts, don't we, in life? Yeah? We do. We have doubts in life. We have doubts in certain things in life. We doubt our team can ever turn it round in the second half. And now, if you're a West Ham fan, that's, that's a big doubt for you, really, isn't it? I knew I'd get a rise. <laughs> sorry, calm down. It used to be Tottenham, but now we're um, we we sorry. I do apologise, Nick. No, I don't actually. Um, we do doubt that that will ever happen, and we're surprised that that it does sometimes. We doubt that that politician can actually fulfil the promise from that manifesto that they promised to get into power with, um, and maybe we doubt that challenge set before us. Um, maybe even sometimes we doubt that we can actually do a D of E gold. But actually we know we can because we've done the bronze and we've done the silver. Gold's the next step. It's easy after that. Um, so I'm going to go with that tonight. I'm going to use a PowerPoint um, because actually it's probably helpful using that and, and hopefully as we go along uh, we can look at that. So um, let's have a look. So, uh, the big questions I think we have, so you can fill this in now. That I've, I've done it in red so that you can fill it in, all right? I'm not going to stop and let you sit there because otherwise we'll be here till 10 o'clock, all right? But I'll just go through it. If you want to fill it in, great. If not, don't worry. But the big questions we really have is, can I trust God? Can I trust God's word? Does it really mean that? You know, it's the erosion, I think, of the word of God uh, has kind of like got us to the point where we're like, can we believe everything in here? Can I trust God's word? Can I trust the media? 
certain American president can't at the moment. You know, fake news and everything else like, what's true, what isn't true? You know, we could look at a video on, on, on Facebook and all of a sudden, you know, like sharing it, look at this, this is awful, only to find out that someone's saying, yeah, that's, that was fake, that actually didn't happen. And all of a sudden, you've spread that. You know, fake news, you know, can we trust the media? Can I trust my friends and my family or even myself? Working with young people, and actually it's, it's increasing more and more in adults, we, we have issues and problems with identity. Who am I? Who am I in Jesus? You know, Can we actually um, trust ourselves? Doubt actually may be a place to visit from time to time. It can be natural, I think, as human beings. Um, but ultimately, I think it's undermining trust. Who were the first people? To doubt on earth. Adam and Eve. Or even Adam, if you want to go that way. Thanks, Luke. What did the devil do? He questioned God's authority. He sowed seeds of doubt in their mind. Surely you won't die. Just sowed those little seeds of doubt within Adam and Eve. So it may be a place where you live. Maybe you have got the doubting Thomas complex. Sorry, Tom, didn't mean that. It's getting personal now. Sorry, do apologise. Maybe you have got that doubting Thomas complex. Maybe you won't believe Jesus until you actually see him in the room and actually touch the wounds in his hands and in his side. The good news is um, we do have a rescuer. And Psalm 84, verse 12, is Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Jude 1, 22, and I'll start from 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God as you await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. And indeed, have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching from them from the fire. That's a powerful statement, that. Snatch others away from the fire, and to still others show mercy tempered with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the flesh. Mark 9, 24 uh, is a story of a demon-possessed boy, and um, the father is with Jesus. He says, if you can echo Jesus, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out, I do believe, help my unbelief. So there is a rescuer, and his name is Jesus, Jesus Christ. The definition, this is interesting, this is this guy Jamie said this, and I thought it was quite a good definition. Doubt is a state of anxious wavering, uncertainty, based on failure to trust fully, and results from faulty, confused, or damaged beliefs about his character, sovereignty, and intentions. That's what his definition of doubt was, and I really resonated with that. We doubt. God is who he says he is. And we doubt he can do the things that we ask of him. And it's great tonight to actually put that into place through hearing some of the testimonies. Really is good. Most of the time, doubt is actually fought uh, within the mind. We have a seed of doubt that germinates. But only if we add the water. The seed does not grow unless we add the water. I've got loads of seeds things at the moment, so I want to get them out in a vegetable patch which I've prepared over the winter, and I'm starting to see these little shoots. It's so 
topical for me to think actually it's only when you put them in the ground these seeds it's only when you actually start to water them and feed them that they start to grow and it's the same thing with doubt we have that in the mind and it grows and grows if we choose not to water it it won't grow you just leave it in a packet and it will just that's it it won't grow it's as simple as that it's basic um, biology i do believe didn't do biology at school didn't do a lot, actually, to be honest with you. Um, that's not an excuse, all right? Um, but the thing is, as, as a seed grows, if you, if you plant an acorn, it will grow into a huge oak. And the oak will produce the fruit, and that will be more acorns. That will be more doubt. You know, it produces fruit. Trees produce fruit. You know, these things do, and the fruit would be damaging. Jesus talks about the fruit that you will know certain people buy. So... Um, there's a really good bit here. It says the enemy, the enemy um, kind of plays around with our mind. This, this, this kind of doubt is he's playing around with our mind. We can see it with Adam and Eve. Uh, it's the first port of call uh, that the devil does in us. So if your mind is full of doubt as a Christian, you actually become quite double-minded. You know, you want to you wanna accept what Jesus is saying on one side, but you're also oh, not quite sure because, you know, this has happened and, and something happened in life and it's not helpful. One of the things he said was anxious thoughts left unchecked actually lead to an anxious life. You know, if we're constantly anxious about something or, or, or what's going on, we will end up like that. So the, oh, sorry. the problem, as it says there, the context uh, is, is quite interesting, looking at James 1. So we're going to have a look at the scriptures. If you've got a Bible, great. Looking at James 1, 5 to 8. James in the New Testament. I know that one. <laughs> James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all he does. This is a powerful passage of scripture, one that can't be taken lightly. The context is your faith will be tested. How many here could say our faith has been tested? But sometimes that leads to doubts. Are you really there, God? Are you really listening out to me? For me? Are you really caring for me? The good news is that you can ask God for wisdom in the middle of the storm. You can ask God for wisdom in the middle of the storm. The problem is that your mind sometimes is so full of doubt and unbelief that you won't hear it. Your doubt and your unbelief is like a wave in the sea tossed by the wind. Has anybody actually been on the in the sea or on the beach when a storm is raging and the the waves are hitting the beach and it's it's quite deafening. You can hardly hear yourself talk sometimes, let alone the person shouting, get away from the water, you numpty. That's what Kate says to me. Well, this reminded me actually a little bit of the disciples when they're in the storm with Jesus asleep in the boat. They thought they were going to die. 
Seeds of doubt had come in. They'd lost all trust in Jesus who was asleep in the boat. The storm raged around them and Jesus was still asleep in the boat. And they wake him up. Jesus, we're going to die. Do you not care about us? Do you not love us? We're going to die. And Jesus stands up and he rebukes the storm. He tells the storm to cease. And then he rebukes the disciples. And he says, why are you afraid? Have you no faith in me? Maybe we need to hear those words from Jesus from time to time. We need that rebuke. Do you have no faith? Do you not trust me? The solution uh, to all of this actually is just a little bit further down in James 1, uh, which is really handy, so we don't have to go anywhere else, um, really, but we'll stick there. So, so James 1, verse 21, says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does. The big question I think for us is what are we going to do with God's word? What are we going to do with this book? It's possible to walk away. It's possible to ignore it. It's possible to forget it. Even as Christians, we can just leave it like that. We can leave it on a shelf. We can let it get dusty. We can let it prop up a table. We could forget some of the stories we heard when we were younger because we haven't refreshed our minds in understanding it. We can do all of that. Can we trust God's word? The devil's a schemer. He's doing, been doing this for thousands of years. He knows that our trust in God needs to be challenged. The best place for him to do that is to get us to stop reading the word of God and undermine its authority. The erosion of God's word will be the undoing of Christianity. Although Christianity won't be undone. But it will give it a go. The further we walk from the truth of Jesus, the more we listen to the opinions of man and the devil. I think we're seeing that played out across our nation and our world. From Genesis to Revelation, we hear the words, does it really mean that? As the devil said to Adam and Eve, surely you won't die. Does it really mean that in the Bible? Does does that bit there, which I really struggle with, really mean that? Was it really six days? What age really does life start in the womb? But if it's a loving relationship between a man and a man and a woman and a man and a woman and a woman and they're happy, what's wrong with that? Surely it doesn't matter what gender you call yourself. Are we hearing that? And I think, what's the church's answer to these questions? Well, actually, I think we've got them wrong. 
to start off with because we haven't started with love. And we rejected a lot of people. But I think actually the church, if you look at it today, is probably going, oh, you've got a good point there. Good opinions, I like that. Let's change what scripture says and what scripture means so that we can accommodate society. I generally think that's what's happening. The church is becoming weaker and weaker. I think this is how Jesus is feeling a little bit. Sometimes. It says the wisdom of man is but folly to God in 1 Corinthians. Um, I don't want to get on my horse about this, but there's a guy called Carl Barth who allegedly once said, we must hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in another as we kind of look at what's being played out in the world and, and we, we, we look at scripture. I totally understand the statements of this. I actually wonder if it's a wise thing anymore. Don't get me wrong. I think that the events that happen in the news, that unfold in the news, can be littered throughout Scripture. And we must look at everything through the lens of Scripture. The question is, is I've got a, the problem I think that we've got is we're not holding this book in the other hand. We're just reading the newspaper. We just got the smartphone in our face and we're constantly being bombarded with the news that's being hit. And actually we're not then stopping and saying, what does God say about this? We're just taking man's opinions. And I think actually for us as Christians, we struggle to know where to look for certain passages of scripture or maybe some of those questions. Where do you look in God's word to challenge abortion? Where do you look in the Bible uh, to go for six days of Genesis? Just giving you a big clue. But there's loads of other passages in there as well that talk about it. Jesus actually talks about creation. Where do you go for these things on gay marriage or gender issues? We need to study. In fact, actually, recent uh, looking at some recent studies that are showing the link between declining numbers in the church and the reluctance to preach God's word from the pulpit. When there's a reluctance to preach God's word from the pulpit, churches are starting to decline. It's one of them, not the only thing. Apparently, people can't cope with 10 to 20 minute sermons anymore. You're not getting one tonight. (laughs) Some people have resorted to 10 minute homilies. An alternative ways to deliver the message. Whilst I'm all for embracing this, I really am. I think we can interact in different ways, but actually, um, I refuse to stop preaching the word of God. I refuse to stop preaching the word of God. In fact, we're always talking about it in the office. It's a hot topic of discussion. Um, and, And Ian, Tom and myself, we refuse to abandon the preaching of God's word. To do so, I think, will bring judgment on us. I want to be able to stand before Jesus and say, I preached the word and lives were instructed and saved. I want to stand before Jesus and say that. Not, oh, I didn't really read it. Sorry. So how can we be free of this doubt? Freedom steps. Drive a stake in the ground. You want your tent to stay up in the midst of a windy storm? Stick an extra tent peg in. 
Drive a stake in the ground. Make your stand. You put a stake in the ground, and I mean it's a piece of wood, not meat from a cow. Right, a stake in the ground, a big statement. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God is the great I am. He says he is who he is. He does what he says he does and we can trust him. Here's the revelation. I love this, what this guy Jamie said. It was just so simple. God is cleverer than me. God is cleverer than us. Do you reckon you can fully understand the mind of the Lord then your God is far too small? Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, uh, nor are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yeah, this is a plea from God to trust Him, to trust that He's sovereign, He's King, that our ways and our thoughts are not His ways. Do we trust Him with that? Isaiah 55, 10 to 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my uh, my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You can take God at his word. Without that stake in the ground, you are vulnerable to every whim, emotion, lie and storm. So we need to say, I'm going to believe God, whatever the evidence. Trust God, whatever the situation. Trust God, whatever the circumstance. Are you ready to believe and trust him and his word, no matter what? Don't focus on what you don't know. Focus on what you do know. What do you know about Jesus Christ? What do you know about the scriptures? If you focus on the stuff that you don't know, and I'll tell you now, the amount of questions I get from young people, and you guys get as well from your friends, why does God do this? Why does God allow suffering? Just some of those questions we just can't answer in life. That's what trust and faith and hope is about, believing in him. We can give some good answers, but don't focus on that. Focus on what you know. Do you know, I know what you're talking about, the suffering and everything else like that, but can I tell you about Jesus Christ, who loves you, who cares for you, who made you. He wants you to be with him forever in eternity. The suffering we go through. Hey, use Romans 5, 1 to 5. Say, hey, do you know my friend Evie? Tell you about suffering. I'll tell you about a young lady that's actually standing firm in the storm whilst it's raging around her. Use examples. Use stories in your own life. Don't get focused on what you don't, don't know. Focus on what you do know. You can get horribly lost in a fog of grey. Or you can choose to focus on the black and white. The black and white for me is God said it, I believe it, that settles it. 
I don't know everything or have every answer, but God does. Are you going to interpret God through the lens of your opinion or interpret your thoughts through the lens of God's word? In order to do this, you need to be reading this. You need to be reading the word of God. Catch the spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, And in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We who have the same spirit of faith also believe and therefore speak, knowing that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. I believed. And do we believe? Do we believe that we need to catch that spirit of faith? Now, we've heard loads of great stuff here tonight. And I know I'm going to be going out of here tonight, clicking my heels. It's very difficult to do that. But I'm going to try it, hopefully not fall over. But it's that spring in the step, isn't it? It's that, yeah, come on, we've heard some great stuff tonight. God, you're going to do amazing things. And you know, if things don't happen totally, you know that you've got your stake in the ground. You know that you're tied to that stake and whatever that storm happens, you, t- you stay tight to that stake. And that stake is Jesus Christ. Faith is what drives us on. Faith is contagious. You know, we've heard those stories tonight and I'm buzzing. We need to be contagious. <laughs> I'm sure there's better metaphors, but we actually do need to be like a virus. We do need to be like the flu. We do need to be like a rash. Getting under people's skin of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not being annoying Christians, but actually getting under the skin of people because we're just kind of constantly full of the spirit of the Lord. You catch doubt or faith from nearly everyone you spend time with. So choose wisely choose wisely who you spend time with if you hang out with the grey people in life guess what they're going to start doubting there will be things I've, I've had conversation I'd, me as a young person I hung out with the wrong people a lot of times when I was younger they were grey people you know, and my, my answer was, yeah, but I'm going to win them for Jesus. I'm going to win them for Christ. You know, you're going to do this. Before you knew it, I was smoking. <laughs> totally going against that which I preached against. Smoking's really bad, it's evil, it'll kill you, it's bad for you. Next minute. So I was hanging around with the wrong people. You know, the grey people who say, ah, it'll be all right. It's only one cigarette, isn't it? Your mum won't smell it. You have a shower in the can. They're not my cigarettes, Mum. Honestly, I'm looking after them for a mate. <laughs> that was my lie. That was my excuse. Started hanging out with the great people. You hang out with those people too much thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going to convert them, I'm going to make them Christians. You'll probably find that they're probably doing a little bit more damage to you. We talked about it this morning. Do not cast your pearls before swine. Now, these people will just spit you out, chew you up, spit you out. And be really, really careful who we're spending time with. Your mind will become foggy and unclear. 
your trust in God will diminish. You know, today is Mother's Day. Now, for a lovely Mother's Day lunch today, as maybe many of you have. I believe God has motherly and fatherly attributes. We discussed that this week in the office. And it is said that mum knows best. Is that true? Mum knows best. Well, guess what? That's an attribute of God. God knows best. All right? God knows best. God's on the throne, not you. God's king. He's the king. He's sovereign over all. Trust him. Trust his word and you will be saved. Trust him. Trust his word. You will be saved. Doesn't mean we're not going to, we're going to stop having doubts, but work towards getting rid of those doubts. Hang out with the right people. Get into this. And when people question this, question why they question it. Why are you questioning? What's going on in your life where you actually want to question what God says? Yeah, I know we can probably have arguments with many people and scholars and theologians about certain parts of this. But you've got to just, you've got to trust that God's for us. You've got to trust that actually, you know, what's written in here is as simple as some of this is and as hard as some of it is, God's got our best intentions at heart. And you need to trust him. You need to trust that God's going to take you through whatever you're going through, Evie. We need to trust that God is going to take us through whatever we're going through. Building us up, strengthening us, growing us. Romans 8 verse 2, it's the last one. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his person. So in light of that scripture, trust him. Trust that he's got your best intentions at heart. There might be some discipline along the way. We might have a few seeds of doubt, but don't water that. Just keep trusting in God's word. Trust in the people that are around you, that care for you, that love you, that want to pray for you. Get them in your life a lot more than the grey. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that you are a God who we can trust. The God who flung stars into space, that created the, the rolling spheres, that separated the water and the land, that created all the animals, that did all of this stuff. And you still look upon us and think we are worthy enough for you to sacrifice your son for us. That's the God who I choose to trust. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that you have good gifts for me. Good gifts for us. Lord, would you give us strength as sometimes we hang around with the wrong people. Uh, to Father, maybe just dust off ourselves and move on. To look for those people that actually are hungry for your word, hungry for your son. Father, help us when we do doubt. Help us not to continue doubting and spiral, but actually just to turn to the word of God, not Facebook 
or a good little video on YouTube or anything else like that, Father, actually to delve into your word of what do you say as I'm doubting at the moment, God? Father, help each one of us to trust in you, to put that stake in the ground, to catch hold of that contagious faith that is around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.